So I had an idea, Bob. <clears throat> I don't know if you're out here, Bob, somewhere. Did he go home? Oh, hi, Bob. Sometimes he goes home and he sits on his patio porch, you know, and listens to it from there. You know, he loves these outdoor services. <laughs> anyway, I had an idea, Bob. We need, what we need out here is we need like SeaWorld splash zone, right? And so, you know, because no one wants to sit in the hot seats, right? No one wants to sit here. You know, they know what's going to happen if they sit here. You know, they're going to burn up and they're going to probably die. So we could just have like a couple of sprinklers right up here, like just randomly during the service. It just all of a sudden go on, right? And they just cool you all down. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Oh my gosh, you'd sit there, right? Wouldn't you? Yeah, Dale would. He's there. He's on. He's loving that. All right. Yeah, that's uh, one of the challenges of being out here before our trees are fully grown. Come on, trees. But it is still beautiful, isn't it? Oh man, I love it out here. Genesis, God, he's the creator. But have you ever thought about how massive creation is? You know, it's it's stunning to me, you know, as we are able to see further and further into space, as we are able to develop these uh, these, uh, telescopes that can go further and further out, and we send out these these satellites and these spaceships or whatever they are out into space, and we get to see more and more, and it's just amazing, isn't it, how massive all of creation is. It, it, it just goes on forever and ever. We can't find the end of it, right? It's just out there, billions of stars. But also it's amazing the diversity of creation. Uh, you know, as you guys, you know, I'd be you guys getting to know me as a you know, bit of a birder now, right? And it's amazing the different types of birds. Even when they kind of look the same, right? There's a lot of the same markings. There's always something unique about them. And that's just the birds, not talking about, you know, things like frogs and and snails and other animals and creatures and fish of the sea. It's amazing the diversity of creation. It's amazing as well the beauty of creation. I mean, who doesn't love a sunset or a sunrise? I don't know about you, but I uh, have always, I think it's because my dad took me uh, early when I was a kid. We used to go out into, wil- into the wilderness on hikes and stuff. And, and it was like, I mean, like, you know, weekend hikes or a, long, a, week, a week-long hike or whatever. We hike over some pass or whatever. I'm like eight years old. Let's go over the pass. Uh, okay, dad, sure. Wherever you want to go. But anyway, I, so I just love creation. So you, when you get up and you take a hike, right, and even a little small hike, and you hike up to some waterfall, right, that not everyone gets to see, or you wa- hike up to some lake that very few have ever been to, or you hike and you just see the mountains, or if you just even drive around, there's a spot in eastern Oregon between here and Washington where you can see like all of these massive volcanoes all around you, and it's just like amazing, God's creation. It's beautiful. But it's also complex, right? I've thought about how complex it is. I, I can't believe that, you know, you got microscopes that can go down and see these tiny little things and there's billions and trillions and quadrillions or whatever it is of these little, you know, things that are all in our body that are making us up and make us work and all this kind of stuff and the complexity of things like, you know, our digestive tract. Like, how does that work, right? I mean, that's just crazy. This blows your mind, right? And, and this is the creation that we have. Yet with all of that... Humanity is the pinnacle of it all. It's the highest. It's the thing that God waited till last to make. 
It's the thing that he made different, similar but different from all the rest of creation. The psalmist in chapter 8, I think, captures a little bit of what I've just described Verses three to nine. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man? What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? I mean, do do we get that, right? I mean, we think about the massiveness of creation, the beauty, the diversity, the complexity. I'm just one person. I'm one piece, tiny piece. Yet you have made humanity a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It is amazing to think that humanity when we understand the massiveness and the diversity of creation, when we understand that it's, it's hard to imagine why God picked us. Why are we so special? But we see this from the very moment of creation when God created us. Look in chapter two of Genesis, verse seven. Notice, you know, he does something different here. With all of the rest of creation, he, he speaks things into existence and he speaks us into existence as well but it becomes a little bit more personal notice in verse 7 of chapter 2 of Genesis it says then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground so first of all he took some dirt (laughs) and the imagery here is like with his hands like He's walking along his creation and he scoops down and he pulls together some dirt and he forms this human being. Again, it's not just a speaking into existence. With humanity, there's a personal connection. But then it even goes further when this, in this verse where he goes on. He says, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Not only does God form us with his hands, but if you will, imagine this, mouth to mouth, he breathes life into us. A holy kiss, amen. Again, from this very beginning, God chose to create humanity different than he did the rest of creation. Now, certainly, you know, we're made of the, you know, flesh and bone, right? We have the things of matter of the other, you know, of the animals and the birds and the fish of the sea. I mean, we have similarities. We can see that we're, that we're kind of part of that. There's some similarities there. But, and we also have this, this soul, this spirit that's within us as well that God has given us. And so there's this flesh and bones, but also soul and spirit. And so there's similarities, but we're also different, 
Not only were we made more intimately by God, but we were made in the image of God. (laughs) The image of God moving back in Genesis to our passage that we read at the beginning of the service. Genesis chapter 1, 26, and I'm going to read 27 as well. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Again, we see this difference For five and a half days, God is creating. Uh, He speaks, let there be, and then there is. Let there be, and then there is. And it's over and over again, this routine that's happening. And then all of a sudden, we get to this point, and there's a little bit different. It's not just let there be, but let there be in our image. Let's make them in our image. So what does that mean? Many messages have been given on this and many Bible studies and and books out there. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? And I just want to take a a couple of minutes to to focus on a few of those things. Because there's a lot of things to it. But the, the four that I want to zero in on start with, first of all, intellect. To be made in God's image. And these are the things that separate us from the rest of creation. Right? So, so first of all, it's an intellect, the ability to think, the ability to be self-aware. I, mean, I love my dog, Mango, but she is not self-aware, right? I mean, she just doesn't quite get it. You know, there's some things that are not appropriate to do when there's guests around, you know? So uh, please go somewhere else and do that, right? I mean, they, you know, we, they're just not this awareness, right, that, uh, that animals have. We, specifically, because we've been created in the image of God, have an awareness of personhood that we are, but also the ability to think. We have a will. We have the ability to choose. We have ability to to, to think about what we want, to reason, to evaluate life, to to evaluate the circumstances, and to make choices about how we're going to live our life. Which leads to the second key difference, and that is that we're moral beings. We're holy and we're free. The rest of creation, animals, birds, fish, they react to their natural cravings that God has given them. Things they need to do to survive, to eat, you know, and, and, and propagate, right? You know, that's kind of what they're, they're focused on. That's their life. Even my dog, Mango, is kind of, that's her life, you know? It's like she wakes up, it's like, you know, okay, what do I want to do? Let's play. Hey, let's play, yeah, you know? And then we play for a little while, and then we're like, okay, let's rest, you know? Let's sleep. And so we sleep for a while, and then, you know, let's play again, right? And then, you know, but it's all just kind of natural. It's like, it, it, she's not thinking about that. She's not deciding what's going on. She's not a moral creature, but we as humanity are. We have what's called free will, which allows us the ability to make a choice. But more than that, we have the ability to know what is right and wrong. Again, we have this intellect so we can evaluate and think about things and understand things. We can read, we can write, we can speak. We have these abilities right, that, that allow us to know. We've been created perfect. 
Adam and Eve were created perfect, without sin. They had the ability to remain sinless. They weren't even created with a sinless tendency. But again, they had free choice. And this free choice is revealed in Genesis chapter 3. Actually, in Genesis chapter 2 is where God speaks to Adam and Eve and says to them, hey, you know, there's a tree in the garden. You know, all the, all the trees in the garden are great. You can, you can eat whatever you want, but there's one tree you can't eat of. I don't, don't, don't eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That represents this free choice. Now, we're going to spend some time about the fall later on, probably not till August, but we're going to get there. And you're like, August? Seriously? That's like two months away. Yeah, that's right. We're going to get there. Uh, anyway, so we'll talk about sin, but that, that tree represents this reality of freedom. God didn't want robots. God has created us with the ability to choose, to choose to obey him, choose to surrender to him, choose to follow him, choose to love him. Only way to love him is to have that free choice. So we're able to know and we're able to freely choose right and wrong. And as a result, we are also as moral beings held responsible for those choices. When our pets tear up their toy or tear up our couch or tear up something else, you know, we can be very angry and upset with them. But can we really hold them responsible? They don't have the ability to make that choice, right? And we can try to train them, right, and teach them these are wrong things and, you know, you can kind of get them to figure that out. But we don't hold them responsible like we do human beings. When the humans, when we as human beings choose evil choices, there's consequences. But also when we choose good things, there's rewards. And the reason that we can receive that, be responsible for those choices, receive both the consequences and the rewards is because we have been created in the image of God as moral beings. The, four, the third thing to consider in regards to being created in the image of God, what sets us apart from animals and, and the rest of creation is that we have emotions and the ability to recognize and enjoy beauty. We have emotions. We are able to experience feelings. We can be angry. We can be sad. We can be joyful. We can be fearful and excited. We can be disgusted. We can be prideful. We can be shameful. We can, we can sense all of these different emotions. Animals, fish, birds, they don't sense those emotions. They don't have the ability to feel like that. Now, I know sometimes when the dog comes up, mango comes up and snuggles with you, you're like, oh, look, she loves me, right? And, and you think there's an emotional hap thing happening there, but it's not. Again, it's a pack animal. It wants to be close to others in its pack, and you're part of its pack. And it's like, hey, yo, you're part of my pack. Let's hang out. So. so we can experience these feelings, but we can also sense right and wrong. We can be proud of the choices that we make. And we can also feel shame for the choices we make. And that pride and that shame is based on our ability to understand, again, right and wrong. But also we're able to identify and enjoy beauty. Mango hasn't done any artwork for us. When we're looking at the sunset, she's looking at the, you know, the, the rat or the squirrel that's running around or the bird, you know, whatever, right? That's, and not enjoying it. She wants to kill it, you know? It's like, <laughs> can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? 
It's only humanity that does art, that enjoys art. That climbs these crazy hills to this to watch the sunset or drives to the beach to watch the waves crash. This is unique to humanity. This is part of what it means to be created in the image of God. And then the fourth one is we've been created with the ability to be in relationship. We've been created with the ability to love. I've said before in uh, some of my messages on love that, you know, love is a relational thing, right? You really can't love someone unless you're in relationship with them. Because love is not just some kind of feeling. It's also an action. It's also an interaction. And so we've been created to be in relationship. It is with humanity that we see God walking in the garden with. It is humanity who God promises to be with. Notice in Genesis, uh, I'm going to just kind of go back to this again. Genesis chapter 1. We have all of this creation that's going on. And, and, and there's quotation marks where God is speaking, but every time he's speaking, he's speaking to create something. But after he's created that thing, he doesn't talk to the creation until he creates humanity. In verse 28, God begins to speak for the first time to his creation. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And he goes on and on. God is speaking to humanity, which shows that he is in relationship with them, which means that he can communicate with them, which means that we can communicate with him. He has created us to be relational beings with him, but also with each other. Again, in chapter 2, it is not good for man to be alone, God says, when he's looking at Adam there by himself. So he creates for him a helper, woman. We've been made for relationship. We have the ability to connect intimately with other beings. Able to enjoy relational unity, oneness. We're able to receive and give love. And the kind of love that is unselfish. Humanity is unique in their ability to be unselfish. To love unconditionally. To sacrifice sometimes even their own life for someone else. These are the things, at least some of the things, that it means to be created in the image of God and why we are considered the pinnacle of creation. Everything else was created, in essence, for us, right? It's, it's this creation point, this all of the universe for us so that it could please us, so that it could care for us, but also so we could care for it. That, this is the, that we are the point. The reason that he spent five and a half days doing all the creation that he did is because he knew he was going to be making some in his image and that humanity would be that something that someone this understanding of the image of God has an impact should have an impact 
The fact that we all have been created in the image of God, male and female. But also from the Genesis account, this is the first man and woman on the planet. Which means that it's not just Adam and Eve, not just male and female, but every ethnicity on the planet was created in the image of God. Some of our uh, more liberal theologians these days trying to come up with some other method of creation and can sometimes begin to think, well, you know, all of these different ethnicities we have in the world that, you know, they can't all come from one person. And so as a result, God must have created all of them separately. Of course, that leaves open the door, not necessarily, but it does leave open the door for us to begin to, you know, delineate between the different ethnicities and saying one maybe is better than the other or whatever. But this is not what scripture teaches us. The Bible is clear that we are all equal. We're all equally created in the image of God. It doesn't matter our race, our ethnicity, our gender. We all are created with the same value. We are equal in the value in the sense that God purposefully has made us. We are not a mistake. Sometimes we get frustrated with the life that we're living, but God has made you on purpose. He knew the life that you would live, whether it be blessed or whether it seems to be cursed. Either way, God knew you before you even started. He knew the life that you would live, and he is longing for intimate relationship with you. Not only are we equal in our purpose, but we're also equally loved. God longs again for relationship for all of us. You know, the world tells us that equality means sameness. That equality means sameness. That it has to, we have to have this, if, if we're going to be equal, we have to have the same experiences. We have to have the same opportunities. We have to have the same roles. We have to have the same results. But the screwy thing about our world is that their value is based in money. It's all about money. If you don't have enough money, well, that's not equal. That's not fair. And so we need to make sure that you get more money. If you have a lot of money, well, that's not fair. That's not equal. So we need to make sure we take more money from you. And what does money lead to? Power. And so if you don't have much power, if you're, if you're kind of you know, down in the dumps or you're oppressed in some way, well, we need to make sure we give you more power. If you've got a lot of power, we got to make sure you bring you down. But again, it's all about this. It's equalized through money. It's about sameness. The amazing thing about God's creation is that he brings equality in the midst of diversity. That each of us are made unique, but with the same value, with the same purpose to be in intimate relationship with our creator. With the same amount of love that we can receive and the same amount of love we can give. The amazing, and one other thing we are equal in is we are equally moral. 
equally moral, which means that we each have an equal ability to do the right thing or to do the wrong thing. We are equally held responsible for those actions. We're equally free to make those choices. And we're equally free to receive the consequences for those choices, whether it be judgment or reward. Too often, (laughs) we want to make excuses for people who have made bad choices and try to shelter them from their consequences. Try to say, you know, we don't understand when we say, well, that person just didn't know any better. Do you realize what we're saying? We're saying that they do not have the same power, the equal ability to choose what is right and wrong. We all are moral beings. All have the freedom of choice. We've all seen kids growing up in a healthy family that have turned bad, turned to evil, you know, turn to things that you know, are not good, that are destructive. But we've also seen kids that have been brought up in these horrible circumstances and that they've come out of that and made good choices and lived a life of blessing to others and love for others. It doesn't matter the situation. We all equally have the ability to make the right choices or the wrong choices. And so we're, equal, we're all equally responsible, but we're all equally as well have access to God. That when we make a choice for Jesus, we all get access. We all get adopted into the family. There's not different levels of adoption. There's only full adoption into God's family. There's equal access to communication with Jesus, with God. There's equal access to intimacy. There's equal access to the gifts. Not that we're all going to have all of the gifts, but God has a gift for us. He will bless us. He will encourage us. He'll give us talents. He'll He'll manifest himself in us. And we're all equally pursued by God. This is the amazing thing. It doesn't matter how we live our life. God is pursuing you. He's pursuing us. Doesn't matter what we do. He's always pursuing us. Even when we reject him. Even when we turn our back on him. Even when we're walking away. Even when we're rebelling. Even when we don't even know about him. We don't care about him. He is pursuing us. And why is he pursuing us? because we are the pinnacle of his creation. He created us in his image. He wants us close. He wants us in that intimate relationship. All right, worship team, why don't you come forward as I give a few closing thoughts here. When we understand the massiveness of creation, the the diversity and the beauty, the complexity of creation, and then we think about this reality that, and and personalize it. it, it's not just that humanity is the pinnacle of creation, but I am, right? That individually. Like the psalmist said, who is man that you are mindful of us? Look at all that you created. Why do you even care about me? But when we understand that he does care about us, that he personally formed us, 
breath, breathed the life, breathed life into us. When we realize that he created us in his image, it should change our perspective. It should change our perspective of ourselves, certainly, but also perspective of other people. When we understand that all people are created by and for God, that should lead us to respect all of God's creation. Even our enemies. Even the people that, you know, are mean to us. We don't like. (laughs) Even the people that are hard to be around. But do we respect them as a child of God? That God created them? Personalizing, what about yourself? Do you respect yourself? Do you recognize that you personally have been created by God? In his image? For the purpose of intimate relationship with him and with others? Do you realize that? Do you respect yourself? Also, when we understand that all people are free to choose, we should also respect their choice. I remember I had a class in Bible college that was a world religions class, and I loved this professor. He was my favorite professor of all the other professors, and uh, just an amazing guy. But anyway, he taught this class, and as we talked about the different world religions, he set up basically field trips to go to local temples and chapels and and mosques and different things to actually go into these buildings and to sit with the leaders of these different religions and to listen to them talk. And what amazed me was not necessarily just the experience of being in these different, you know, kind of contexts and, and, and atmospheres, but what amazed me was the respect that my professor showed each and every one of these other leaders. Not just to their face, but in class. He never talked down about them. He never like, you know, insulted them or said, oh, they're just fools, they're just dumb, whatever. I mean, none of that. He respected their, what they believed, but also the fact that they were children of God who had the free ability to choose. Are we humble enough to do that? To let, make, let people make choices, even bad choices? When we understand that all people will receive what they deserve in a sense for their actions and their choices, do we respect those consequences? Again, I think too often, especially I think in our church, in, in the world of American church, we have a tendency to try to shield people from the consequences of their actions. But the reality is God has allowed, has created these consequences in order to shake them up, to help them recognize that the way they're going is the wrong way. Are you an enabler? Are you enabling someone to continue to make bad choices because you are shielding them from their consequences? If you understand that God has created them, created them with free will, 
And as a result, they are responsible for their own actions. Then you'll respect those consequences as, all, as well. You'll journey with them in those consequences instead of trying to shield them from those consequences. And finally, when we understand that all people are pursued by God, we must respect the power to change. We as human beings too often give up on people. They've made really bad choices. And so they continue to do these things. And it's okay, again, don't mis misunderstand. It's okay. Sometimes we need to, to set some boundaries in those kind of relationships. However, let's not forget and res to respect the power of God to bring change. He is still pursuing them. He will always pursue them till the day they die. And so let's continue to pray for them, to continue to think about them, try to you know, continue to bless them in some way if you can. But let's not give up on them. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you again just for who you are. Uh, we don't understand it. We have no clue why really you chose to create us the way you did. Lord, I know certainly for my own part, there's been many times I've wondered why you even care. This insignificant creature in the midst of all of this massiveness and beauty and diversity and complexity, why do you care about me? I don't get it. I do thank you. It ignites my worship and my praise of you when I realize that you do care, that you know me by name, that you created me on purpose, that you knew the life that I was going to live, all the things that were going to happen, and that you would be with me at an all, in it all. thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your purpose. Thank you for being a God who is able to be in relationship with me, that I can know you, that I can hear your voice. And Lord, I just pray if there's anyone in, on this campus right now, who isn't enjoying that amazing, intimate relationship with you. The Lord, your spirit, you're pursuing them. You have been all of their life, but your spirit would speak strong right now. Disrupt their peace in this moment. Ignite a vision in their heart and in their mind for your beauty, for your goodness for the great peace that comes when we've finally been reconciled to the one who created us. Lord, draw that person to yourself today. 
and give them the courage in a moment to come up and pray with one of our elders. To tell them the vision that they're having right now, to, to share with them the disruption that's in their heart that you have led. Or do you want every one of us? You're pursuing us all. In order to help us who already are in that intimate relationship with you to not give up on others. Help us to continue to pursue them like you pursue them. Lord, don't allow us to be lazy and comfortable in our own lives. Lord, give us a heart and a passion for those who don't know you. Ignite us. Inspire us. Speak your truth to those who don't know you, to love those who don't know you, to boldly proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross for them. Ephesians 5, 15 and following. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. And yeah, we got some elders over here. Please come and share with them. However you need prayer, if you're disrupted, if you feel like the Lord's calling you, then please, now's the time. God bless.